You're listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'm really excited today to share with you this chat with ultra runner and clinical psychologist Luke Pryor. From overcoming personal challenges to running ultra marathons, Luke's journey is nothing short of inspiring. Get ready to delve into Luke's world of running and learn how it transformed his life, the lessons he's gathered, and the tips he has for everyone looking to explore the world of running. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned runner, there's something in this episode for everyone. Let's get moving. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am introducing you all to Luke Pryor. Hello, Luke. Hello, how are you? I'm awesome. Welcome to the podcast. I can see, no one else can see this because it's an audio, but you're sitting in a van in at your place. <laughs> yes. Yep. So I, uh, I live in a tiny home, uh, which is quite small, um, obviously. The name suggests that, but uh, <laughs> sometimes the internet's not not fantastic in the in the tiny home. So I uh, jumped in the back of the van, which is handy to have that space as well. Which is an even smaller tiny home. It is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, Luke, tell me, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Ballarat, down in Victoria. Okay. Um, yeah, so I sort of grew up on a on a farm about. Uh, the first 13 years of my life was on a 100-acre farm, um, nice. spud and, and, and sheep farm um, in a, a small town called Millbrook, uh, which is about 25, 30 minutes out of Ballarat. Oh, nice. And do you have siblings? Mm. Was it? Yeah, I've got two younger brothers. Yeah. And so it sounds like you had a very, I assume, outdoorsy sort of life. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, we had a great, um, great upbringing. I'm very um, fortunate. And, and appreciative of the lifestyle I had growing up. It was, you know, mum and dad were definitely not helicopter parents and, and we were basically allowed to go and roam free on the farm um, and explore, you know, even beyond the farm as well um, as young kids. So we that definitely instilled the um, love of adventure early on and, you know, it was nothing for us to, you know, leave super early in the morning and then, then come back at in the evening covered in mud and bruises and scratches and whatever else that mischief that we'd got up to during the day. So It's awesome. I love it. My childhood was a bit like that too. Also grew up on a farm, but on King Island. So, yeah. uh, no. so, nice. so similar. Mm. We would often disappear like that too. <laughs> you could sometimes hear mum call like for lunch or dinner or something. But um, yep. yeah, that was about it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, you know, kind of the, the way from the uh, the front veranda or the call out from the front veranda to yeah. come back up to the house. And, yep. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Whereas now it'd just be, you know, um, you just give them a ring or send them a text, come home now or something. <laughs> or for my kids, actually, it's probably they're not answering the phone. So it's that find my phone um, thing we have on Apple and it makes their phone buzz until they pick it up. <laughs> That's probably what I do. Anyway, um, yeah. So, what was what was sport like for you at school? You said you were there until you were thirteen. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. Mum and dad, um, or we, yeah, we ended up going bankrupt um, oh. when I was about thirteen. So we had to move into Ballarat and just sort of rented, um, basically rented through the rest of my um, childhood in Ballarat, um, which is where all family and that were from. Which so that was yeah. great, but. Um, yeah, I was um, very active, um, loved pretty much every sport, played a lot of, you know, AFL football and a lot of cricket, yeah. tennis um, growing up. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just I would always sort of just love to sort of just practice it too. It was always a bit of a challenge. I think I just loved the challenge of trying to master something or get better at something. And, um, you know, my two young brother, brothers, um, you know, we played lots of, lots of sport, 
inside the house and outside the house as well, which often ended up in, you know, broken windows and yeah. all sorts of things. But, um, and I think my uncle was pretty um, instrumental too. He was um, a big sport fan and he, um, I guess, uh, took us under the, his wing a little bit and taught us the, the ins and outs of sport. And I think that sort of um, grew my love of trying to, you know, master or kind of get better at something. Can you remember running at school? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, with primary school, we'd have the you know hundred meter races. Um, or we used to play a game. I think it was called Octopus or something. It was a bit like you know tag of yeah. some sort. So yeah, that was always um, you know those two things were always pretty big. So um, there's lots of that um, at at school growing up. But it wasn't really until um, probably about nineteen twenty where I started to dabble a little bit more with running itself and then it wasn't really until my late 20s early 30s when I really got into running all right and well when you were at school I know you said other sports were you know you really enjoyed those do you remember thinking how you felt about running you know when you had to do your school carnival or your cross country or that kind of stuff do you remember what your thoughts were about it yeah I remember um um, one cross country, um, very vaguely, you know, in primary school, uh, I think it was in Dalesford somewhere, um, just sort of running through the bush and have sort of fond memories of that. But as, as they're very small yeah. fragments of memories, nothing sort of yeah. significant. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, um, I don't know, I'm about five foot three or 163 centimetres tall. So I'm pretty short. So, wow, you're shorter um, than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pretty tiny. Um, so, you don't look yeah, short, playing... just on the video, just saying. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, playing football, you know, um, like AFL football, you know, if I was going to be any good at it, I'd have to run yeah. a lot. And um, so I think that sort of drip-fed a little bit of the running into me a little bit and I, I guess, related running to being better at football, which I absolutely loved football. Um yeah. And um, so occasionally I would go for a 5K run or, you know, run mm. around the lap of the lake in, in, in Ballarat. There's the Steve Monaghetti Lake, which was 6Ks. Um, that was often a pre-season training for football yeah. type sort of thing. So running was really about getting better at football in, in those days. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, what did you do when you left school? Nothing to do with school. Um, <laughs> oh, I, was, I was a bit something. of a... <laughs> I was a bit of a rat bag at high school, so um, I was more interested in sport and the social stuff rather than um, uh, applying myself academically, um, shall we say. Um, so I had a gap year um, where I just sort of worked worked full time and then uh, managed to get myself into university very luckily um, and studied exercise science. So, um, yeah, um, and I worked in that field um for a number of years and then, you know, sort of doing sports science, strength and conditioning sort of stuff, um, which was, you know, I loved um, in a com- combination of working with like elite athletes and, mm-hmm. and recreational athletes and everyday sort of, you know, personal training gym clients. Um, yeah. And then got really interested in, um, I guess, the mental side of, you know, I guess people's behaviour and, what motivated them and why they did things and why they couldn't stick to, yeah. you know, plans or why, you know, person A was, you know, better than person B in terms of their application or something. And um, that really spiked my curiosity into psychology and um, I ended up going back to university again um, and, and studied another, you know, six years of uni to become a clinical psychologist. Whoa, you've been all over the place just in those I've been all over the couple place. of sentences there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've sort of, um, yeah, had a, an in, a, I've really enjoyed my, my working life. Um, I never really had a full-time job. I had my own business um, in, the, in the fitness industry for a while, but because I was, you know, I spent 10 years at, mm. at university, I didn't really have a full, proper full-time job until I was 32. You know, I worked all the way through university to, support myself but um you know never always always felt like I was about 10 years behind everyone in terms of people having a mortgage and all that sort of stuff I've got a daughter like that at right now who's just finished her double degree in zoology and uh theater and she's now saying next year she's going to do honors and then after that she's maybe thinking about 
going to do vet science. So she's going to be probably 100 before she even gets out of university, it feels like. Yeah, nice, nice. Interesting combination, zoology and theatre. Yes, I think she'll become like a Jane Goodall, you know, somebody who goes to study, goes and studies something and does a documentary about it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we'll see where she goes. Right now, yes, her her jobs are all part-time jobs in you know, receptionist there and uh, and cafe there, that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. um, and she's in Melbourne. So how, like it, you said that you didn't actually start running as a sport for its, you know, itself purely until you are in your 30s, did you say that earlier? Or was it sort of later? Yeah, that's, that's hmm. late 20s, um, early 30s is when I sort of got, Okay. into running more seriously. I, I played a lot of football. I was, you know, an okay without being great sort of football player yeah. just in, in local leagues um, and kind of got a bit over the, I guess, the, the meathead kind of component of football. Um, the bloke and stuff. Yeah, when you're kind of, you know, late 20s and you're running around in a paddock in the middle of nowhere and people are trying to take your head off, you kind of start to question, like, what are we playing for here? You know, this is it's not work where... <laughs> Not like we're playing in the AFL or anything. So um, I guess I started to have, you know, um, look for other opportunities to, or, you know, other areas to kind of challenge myself. And I think I'd always been, um, ever since I was about 18, I got really obsessed into like fitness and the gym um, sort of stuff. And that was, I guess, my first real sort of major passion. So I was really right at, you know, a big gym, gym goer. for, you know, from 18 to pretty much all my 20s. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we'd play football in the in the winter and then started doing um, athletics with Wendery Athletics Club mm-hmm. um, in my 20s. Um, I think I did one season when I was 19 um, and then had a bit of a break when I went back and played a lot more football for another a number of years. And then it was sort of when I was 27, 28, when I jumped back in onto the Wendery Athletics Club and um, did their their summer and winter programs. So summer was always the, the shorter track yeah. you know, um, sort of sports. And then winter was my favourite, which was the cross-country, um, I guess, trail running sort of yeah. um, vibe, which um, which I loved. I love that. Um, I just I, There's so many questions I wanted to ask you. One of them um, harks back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, not – when you were like a PT type of person, it, why did some people stick to what they wanted? And they all have maybe had the same goal, lose weight, get fitter, run a marathon, whatever it is. Um, but some people were able to do, you know, stick to a routine and others were not. What did you, then you went on to university to study psychology stuff or whatever. <laughs> what did you learn? Like, tell me, what is the answer to that question? That was yeah, well, that, burning I, I think that's head. a mil- the million dollar question isn't it um if i if i had the um a really quick simple answer to that i think um i'd probably um you know be doing quite well you know financially because it's it's it is the million dollar question is, and i think it's complex you know people i guess i sort of went into studying psychology with that being one of the questions that i was sort of wanting to to answer and the more i studied the more um questions. i realized that, that that was a co- yeah the more questions that came up and the more complex um and i think it sort of to sort of give, try and give some answer to that i think it really depends on the individual and, and where they're at and you know some for some people it's you know um the pain that they're in kind of starts to you know um be a main motivator and becomes too much for them to you know, to overcome that initial hurdle in, in, in making sort of significant life changes. You know, other people, it's about, you know, significant things that happen in their life, you know, whether they kind of get, get married or have kids or, you know, um, you know, for me, I um, I probably had, um, I guess this sort of ties in with my sporting sort of stuff, like mm-hmm. a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, like I had like big issues with alcohol. Like I was always someone that sort of could never – um never had an off switch really like yeah. it was all or nothing and that applied to the alcohol too and it wasn't mm-hmm. sort of a um yeah it wasn't congruent with my values and who I saw as myself but you know if it wasn't for fitness um early on in the gym sort of stuff and sport and then later on um running like I think my life would have looked very different if I didn't have that grounding activity of yeah. exercise to sort of 
you know, hold me there. So for me, you know, I guess that was a bit of a motivator for, you know, why I was able to kind of, I guess, stick to things and kind of because, you know, I sort of needed to because I knew if I didn't, you know, my life would be out of balance in, in a really unhealthy way. That's like um, a- and maybe now it's it. I was going to say, it was like your why, you know, your why was big enough. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, um, you know, getting clear on your why is, is really important. And, you know, when I do work with, um, work, work with athletes in the, you know, the, the sport performance sort of space, you know, that's a big thing to kind of get clarity on, on our why. And sometimes we're doing it for the wrong reasons, which then can, um, you know, I guess subconsciously in some sense, we put these, barriers and blockades in there because when it's not congruent or authentic with what we're really wanting to do and sometimes it's about unpacking that and kind of getting a and developing a more healthy why that, that might fit mm. better for that person um, mm. and that's where I think it's you know different for every everybody but you know for, um, being able to have the internal sort of strength and courage to kind of stand in your own space and go well, actually I don't care about performance for me it's just about getting out and doing a, you know, two or three runs a week and feeling healthy and, and, and being a better role model for my family, perhaps like without needing to kind of, you know, get caught up in the culture of needing to run far, faster or longer all the time. And, you know, it, it's you know, different for everyone, but. That's really yeah. interesting. And I, I think I've just coming, like I'm 54 now, been running forever. Um, it feels like, <laughs> but I realize now that why I ran when I was in my twenties, all my 30s, all my 40s, it doesn't look the same in my 50s, like I, why I ran. So so if, I think when you're having those conversations with people, um, I assume one of the things is is that they understand that when they work out what their why is now, that it's fine, that it's not going to be necessarily the same why in five or ten years and that, or even next week, and that's fine exactly. as long as it's congruent, as you said before, with who they are now. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, it does. And that's, you know, sometimes when people go through those transition phases in their life, that's one of the challenges that they run into is where they're, you know, trying to hold on to something when, mm. you know, their body's aging and, and or, you know, their performance is declining um, and, you know, young and up and coming, they're trying to sort of hold on to that instead of, you know, being more comfortable within themselves to be able to acknowledge where they're really at and what's really going on um, yeah. and kind of find a healthier relationship with the, the sport. So, yeah, it, it is always interesting as we go through those transition phases. Yeah. Mm, I love it. Um, so what work do you do now? We've got all, um, all your degrees and things that you did, or maybe we don't, maybe there's more. <laughs> what work do you do now with um, with people? Yeah, so I'm a, a clinical psychologist and I work mm-hmm. in private practice um, in Mullaney uh, a few days a week. And In um, Mullaney? So you're in um, Queensland? Yeah, Sunshine Coast, yep. I was in Mullaney. Yeah. Having, is that the one where the meal, you can, they have a restaurant that's on the edge of a, the mountains there? Oh, that, that might be Montville. Oh, Montville. But Mullaney's nearby, yeah. isn't it? It is very close, yeah. yes. Yeah, we did a yep. bushwalk there. So. A couple of months ago. Anyway. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky up here. It's a beautiful, beautiful it's spectacular. area. Yeah. A long yep. way from Ballarat. It is a long way from Ballarat and the climate's very different and um, that's not by coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> You're a long way from Tassie as well, where I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so, <laughs> sorry. So um, you're, you work in Mullaney. Um, yep. Yeah. So I work... Um, in private practice and do a bit of a combination of um, clinical general population mental health um, work yeah. and I also do um, sport performance um, work as well. So working a lot with endurance athletes. Um, you know, I've got a number of triathletes and um, cyclists and mountain bike athletes oh, awesome. and, and obviously runners as yeah. well that I, that I work with. So, um, yeah, always sort of. Yeah, that's the area I love love to work in. So I'm kind of just slowly, you know, building up more and more clients in, in that area of, you know, endurance psychology and mental performance. I love that. This is the perfect podcast for you because I can just pick your brain all day long. <laughs> um, <sorry. laughs> 
Do you find that you prescribe, um, I asked Cheryl this too, by the way, uh, to prescribe um, going for a run or something like that for people who come in for something that's not necessarily sport related for mental health reasons? 100%. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, and it it's obviously always tailored to the individual and, and where they're at. I think it's, you know, first point of call is to make sure you're meeting the client with where they're at. And that might look like getting out for a walk or, you know, for some people that are really depressed, there might be, you know, getting the mail from the letterbox, starting with mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, so starting with something that's achievable. But, you know, um, if I was to sort of step back and look at, you know, the approach that I do take, I definitely do place a lot of emphasis on the lifestyle factors, um, you know, sleep, nutrition, mm. exercise, you know, some sort of movement practice. Um, you know, I think they're sort of fundamental pillars of, health and wellness and yeah. um and you know they definitely impact our our mental health as you know so um definitely encouraging you know pretty much all of my clients to engage mm. if, if they're not already in, in some sort of form of movement that feels right to them so for those clients who come to you for for like who have you know, a physical background rather than necessarily the mental background they're also they're coming to you for like mindset type of stuff is that how they would frame it is that what um, they're thinking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess, um, you know, you might have, uh, um, I guess, two camps. You're having athletes that are looking to get a bit of an edge and, and really focus on on going from good to great and sort mm-hmm. of trying to improve their performance. And then you'll get a lot of athletes that are coming with a particular problem, whether it's, you know, dealing with injury or setback mm-hmm. or performance anxiety um or loss of motivation um that, that sort one. of thing <laughs> <laughs> i have the performance anxiety when um there you go so you can diagnose no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like for years i belong to a running club here and we race every saturday through yep. winter so it's not like i haven't done a lot of racing it's a handicap club so we all have an opportunity to win so it's all very exciting um nice. and you know distances from five up to 21 on those 20 25 weeks of the year uh, and then various other races outside of that. But I've noticed in the last five or six years, I'd just the anxiety before an event, not so much for yeah. those little races, just horrible. So I have to, I've had to do all kinds of stuff with myself to talk myself out of being so anxious, including changing, you know, just not racing so much, you know, not, yeah. not going to events and things, doing other things, challenging myself in other ways, which is interesting. Yeah. I think, I think those, um, when you're in a, a small community, it can almost sort of um, enhance some of that anxiety because you sort of know where you should sit yeah. or you know where others should sit. And that can, you know, if you're overly focused on what other people are doing, exactly, you know, that can really kind of enhance that because it's like, oh, I always beat, you know, Joe Blow or, you know, I'm always, <laughs> and, and if, if not, then it's you start to sort of have this internal dialogue of, you know, doubt or criticism or, or however that might yeah. be playing out. And I th- so I think in those situations, it is really important to kind of try and, you know, focus on yourself a little bit and kind of, you know, use tools that evaluate your performance on, you know, your stuff and things that you can control rather than other people's sort of performances. But it all comes into that, I guess, that social psychology too of like reputation and who you are and yeah, sort of stuff. Your I identity. Think that's something. Mm. Yeah, your identity, yeah. yeah, Which we do talk in the podcast. Um, I often run people through things like have they have they been injured and how, mm. how did they deal with that, you know, and when did they first call themselves a runner and how do you deal deal with it when you then get injured? So yes. how, how about you, Luke? Have you been injured? Um, yes, I have been injured. Um, I've had a um, – this is actually something I'm trying to work on with myself at the moment is that yep. – I've had a long um, history of, you know, pretty chronic injuries of um, plantar fasciitis and um, particularly hamstring and glute tendinopathy in in both hamstrings, which um, has sort of been pretty sort of extreme plus a few other little foot niggles. So I've really been working hard on on my, I guess, beliefs around how I communicate to myself as a runner because I've had probably close to seven or eight years of, always kind of managing or, or battling mm-hmm. with some sort of chronic injury so 
I'm really trying to be conscious about how I talk to myself as a as a runner and and my relationship with um, running and injury injuries. So that's something that I'm you know um, working on at the moment within myself is is trying to um, lessen the association with oh I'm an injured runner or mm. I'm always battling you know some sort of niggle or whatever it might be. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's been an interesting process, but. It is injury. Oh my gosh. I've actually had a few people on the podcast recently who've never really had an injury, which I think is amazing in itself. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, awesome. that, that's wild. Cause you know, there's, you know, running's, running's hard on the body and, you yeah. know, um, you know, most, most runners sort of have, have some injury that keeps them out for, you know, more than two or three days, uh, you know, throughout the year at some stage, um, some, some, some injuries are, worse than others but I found um I recently well recently a year ago decided to run at least two kilometers every day to do a streak and see I was going to do it till Christmas time and then um then Christmas came and went and I was still doing it and I kept doing it and it has helped with some of that stuff we're talking about before with my with my identity and my you know the anxiety because I saw the way I look at it at the moment is that I'd set myself a goal that was achievable it keeps me running it is actually a little uncomfortable to to do it every day like yeah you know in a normal every you know in your normal everyday life where things happen the same all the time but nobody can go none of us go through 12 months where every single day is a repeat of the last day as a rule most of us have things that happen we go away we travel we do things you know unexpected things happen but to be able to maintain that, which I did just tick over a year last Friday of running well done. two kilometres at minimum every single day, that's worked for me anyway, for helping with that, some of that self-talk stuff that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Um, yeah. So I wonder sometimes whether that might help other people, not that I have to do what I did, but choosing a goal that um, can help build you up in your head. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. About who you definitely, are, definitely. I, I, I think there's um, you know, a huge amount of self discipline in that, isn't there? Because it's yeah. you know, it's easy easy to go for a run when you're feeling great and you feel like it, but so easy. You know, that's not reality every <laughs> single day. So um, you know, um, there's I think there's and you gain confidence, which is sort of what you're sounds like you're talking about now is exactly. within yourself of like, hey, I did mm. this and did this hard thing, and, mm. and I think that's the beautiful thing with running, isn't it? Like, there's this weird part of running where it's it's this beautiful freeing most natural thing that we're meant to do but it's also very uncomfortable and often painful and and you know there's a lot of discomfort that goes with it with it too and i think it's it's you know working with those that dichotomy of of you know trying to find the flow and the beautiful ease of running naturalness of it with like you know my back sore or i've got a niggle or i'm tired (laughs) you know i'm stiff or whatever it is yeah what do i do so uh, I'm doing 101 kilometers next March down here in the gone nuts. So that's that's how, yeah, it obviously has made me confident enough to think I can do that. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's exciting. Is that the, which one's that one? Gone nuts, it's called. It's from um, Stanley yeah. through to Wynyard. Hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah, that looks like a good run, that one. Mm. Yes, it's a challenging one. Anyway, yeah. back to your running, which is more exciting than <laughs> mine, really. Um when do you think you called yourself a runner? Um, probably, probably when I started doing it more as for the purpose of running, rather than doing it for um, football or, mm. or something. So, yeah, mm. um, I think that's um, probably when I first, I started identifying myself mm. as a runner. Yeah, yeah. How long do you think you'll run for? Ever. Yeah. Not that yeah, there's I, a I wanna, wrong I, answer, but that's a good answer. No, <laughs> I, I really want to be, you know, I want to be one of those, you know, 85, 90-year-olds that are, you know, still getting out there and, and doing some form of running, whatever distance, you know, um, that's, you know, something I really sort of aspire to and I really, you know, admire and, and find a lot of inspiration yeah. in in those um you see the older guys get out there and just sort of, you know, they're still got that spark of, you know, looking for that adventure and that kind of that joy. And that's definitely something that um, I resonate with and something to, um, you know, aspire 
um, mm. to do as well. So, yeah, so hopefully, you know, that's my plan is to run for as long as I can. Run forever. Um, yeah. What does your running look like now? We haven't really talked um, about the kind of things you have done with your running. Yeah, so um, I, I guess I got into ultra running when I was about 30, 33 maybe, mm-hmm. um, so probably the last sort of 10 years. Um, so, um, I did my second hundred miler this year in June, um, which was, um, which is really cool. And, um, yeah, I've got actually got black hole 50 coming up next weekend, um, which I'm using as a bit of a training run for another miler in down in the Grand Fiends in Victoria in November. So, um, yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, um, working to um the run i did in in june um took me a little bit of time to get over um in terms of just being a little bit banged up and tired and injured so um i'm yeah just starting to come come good now so i'm I'm probably doing about i guess not not huge volume for myself but it's probably getting up to the higher end for me is around about 100 kilometers a a week um yeah um but i've also yeah, this this year I've really included a lot more cycling as well. So, um, trying to add in a little bit extra volume with the cycling rather than just pure running, and yeah. um, I've found that that's been really helpful. So I'm I'm finding trying to find a balance, the perfect yeah. balance between cycling and running. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's kind of roughly where my running is at at the moment. Where did you say you wanted? You broke up a little bit when you said that um, your whatever your next bigger races that you're leading into after the 50 <laughs> yeah so that's um the grampians peak trail 100 mile down in, down in victoria so it's the yeah. first first year that have had that that event on and it's um i guess you know i was really curious about that trail and when i heard they were making that trail i had aspirations to you know try and do a bit of an fkt or or get down there and run yeah. the length of it, and, and that just sort of never eventuated your life circumstances. But as soon as they um, announced the event, I was like, oh, I think I'm pretty keen to run that. And, um, you know, I think it's it will be really cool because all my family are still down there as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, really keen to kind of make it a bit of a family event and go down and catch up with family and, um, yeah, get them to drag them through the night and as they can crew me and, um, yeah, um, really – forward to um yeah the, the family component of it so excited for that what motivates you to do the longer distances um i love the challenge of it um mm-hmm. i think um mentally when you're out there for such a long time it really can strip you mm-hmm. um strip everything back a little bit and, and and challenge um challenge yourself a lot more and um and there's a real problem solving component that then comes into it um and i love that component of it when when things get really hard and and uncomfortable out there and you've got to try and find a solution on the on the on the go um and so i I love the the mental sort of challenge of the longer sort of stuff um particularly you know if you're running through the night and um as well and 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 that level of fatigue sort of kicks in and things get a little bit unhinged and a little bit weird and you you sort of have that um that real sort of adventure it's kind of like i don't know where this is going to go or i don't know how i'm going to handle this and and just trying to kind of yeah put yourself in that situation to sort of test and and challenge yourself i assume it's i always say this but i assume it's trails that you (laughs) you prefer as you're running yes area <laughs> yeah yeah i love the trails yeah definitely yeah. i don't mind i do a lot of running on the road as well but um is your training and don't mind yeah and don't mind road running i'll do do the occasional race here on the road but um yeah probably 80 90 percent of it's on the trails what would have been your favorite run that you've had probably the one in june which was um western states 100 miler in um in california so oh, yeah. um that was a pretty epic experience to head over there to, to just get into the event. You know, yeah. it's a really difficult event to get into. There's only 370 runners that are lucky enough to run it every year. Um, and Amazing. I'd been entering the lottery for six years to try and 
get my number pulled out so I could go over and run it. And yeah, it was, um, you know, this year was my lucky year. Um, and, uh, yeah, got to go over there and, um, just the hype and just the event, yeah. all everything that people talk about around that event is, is definitely true. And it's, um, it was its 50th year anniversary year this year too, oh, which wow. is really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had a pretty, pretty good run over there. Um, you know, as, as, as well as any hundred mile I can go, it has its ups and downs, but, um, yeah, had a fantastic, fantastic run and, um, yeah, just a, just an amazing experience at, um, a real sort of peak life moment to, to get to run over there. That's fantastic. Is that one of the ones where you get a buckle? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you, you get the, um, you get the silver or bronze buckle with Western States. So if you finish under 24 hours, you get the silver buckle. And then if you finish between 24 and 30 hours, you get the bronze buckle. And yeah, I was um, fortunate enough to finish in 23 hours. So oh. got the silver buckle. So that was really cool. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> um, it just, there's something, you know, we talked about the anxiety in a big race. Like I've done lots of marathons and, and those sort of things um, on the mainland. But the idea of traveling <laughs> to go so far away to do such a big thing, I'm like, my nerves would just be a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's um, there's it's definitely a component I think people don't realize until you're in sometimes. We mm. don't talk about it, but you know, financially, it's a huge cost to go overseas yeah. somewhere and do a, do a big run and um, and then to get over there. And you know, we sort of my partner and I, Cara, we sort of planned a little bit of a holiday around it and you know, to get over there and then, you know, you really want to have a good day out. You want to finish the, you know, number one kind of finish the event and actually, you know, have a positive experience over there. So it's, I think getting to that start line, you know, and, and giving yourself the best chance, it, it can be really nerve wracking. And um, I, I didn't have the best preparation in the, in the lead up to this run. I had um, some, a couple of niggles and um, a, a foot issue that I sort of, carried into the race so um as we were traveling around i was you know stopping at every sort of frozen creek and putting my foot in the creek for you know a couple of times a day just trying to get my body um wow. as, as healthy as i could in the, on the start line and um so i definitely can you know there is a lot of anxiety and a lot of nerves around yeah. around that when you kind of do make a big commitment because it's you know you know i'm just um an everyday kind of runner. I'm not sponsored. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying for it all out of my, my pocket. And mm. and you know, am I ever going to get a chance to go back and run Western States again? Probably, probably not. Like maybe, but probably, probably unlikely. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. That was, you know, um, managing the nerves and and just trying to stay in the moment and just embrace the experience was um was one of the challenges. Given that yeah. I was a little bit um a little bit niggly going into it. But you managed to do it and and within the silver buckle time. So <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um yeah, it was a great experience. And even after the event, you know, a few days after the event, it was quite quite emotional and you know, just sort of in that post post run fatigue and exhaustion and, and just sort of thinking about, you know, what what we achieved with, you know, Cara mm-hmm. and I, you know, we'd both put in a lot of work to get to get me there and um, to sort of share that experience with her, um, you know, and the sacrifices that we'd both made was pretty special. Yeah, oh, I love that. Just we know when a plan comes together and all that, as you said, the sacrifices that go into preparing for an event like that. It's it's yeah. awesome when it all comes off. It's fantastic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, can you think to a time where a it could be a training run or it could be a race, doesn't matter, or an event? Um, where everything just flowed and it, at some point you just felt it's just all amazing. Yeah, that's a good question. I've, I've definitely, I don't think I've had the perfect race in that sense of like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had some races where there's been moments of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the closest, the closest race in its entirety was probably Western States just because okay. it was just, just such a special yeah just the hype around it and just I was just pinching myself the whole time um I was out there um so I think from that perspective even though it had some ups and downs um 
throughout it was was pretty pretty special. But I think maybe um, I can't remember what year it was, um, but the Blackall 100 kilometer race. Um, I had a this one year. It's probably 2017, 2018. Maybe I had a shocking sort of first half. My hamstring tendon stuff was really playing up, and then um, I was nearly about to sort of pull out. And a couple of um, you know, good friends kind of, you know, got me to smash down some ginger beer and, and some food and, and sort of recalibrated me. And um, the second half of that race, I probably, you know, ran the best second half of a race I've ever, ever sort of run and just oh, felt wow. like that sort of experience where it was just, you were just in flow the whole time. And um, yeah, so that was a, a really cool experience and, and a good lesson in, you know, uh, not giving up and, and you know, uh, you never know you know, how things might sort of turn around because the first half of the race, it was complete polar opposites to the to the second half. All I heard was ginger beer. Ginger beer is the, <laughs> the secret. The secret recipe. <laughs> it is true, though, like having, as I said, I've, you know, and I've done a couple of ultras, not 100, but I've done a couple. Um, and there is, there in every one of those, you know, longer events, there are moments where it just all feels like crap. And then the next thing you know, you've forgotten that because everything's actually feeling quite crazy. <laughs> and the last yeah. ten, last ten k's went pipe, you know, in a blink. It's kind of yeah, it's crazy how how your mind plays with you. Can you um, can you think of a time where your running supported your life? Like there were things going on in your life where it was crappy and not fun. But yep. when you went for a run, you got that kind of relief or whatever. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it supported what was going on in your life. Personally. Yeah. Um, oh, there's like hundreds of examples of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, running, it is kind of like my, a rock in that sense for mm-hmm. me in, you know, in good times in life and in, 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 in more difficult times. And, you know, there's been times with, um, as I mentioned earlier, with, you know, struggling with addiction and alcohol mm-hmm. sort of stuff where, you know, running literally did save my life. Like that's, you know, not mm. being dramatic at all. Yeah. Like if it wasn't wasn't for running, it, um, my life would have looked very different. Um, you know, whether it's sort of a relationship breakup um, or, you know, to something like a, you know, bad day at work, you know, um, the, you know, running is that, that perfect kind of space where you kind of get to process some of the emotion by some movement and then, you know, you get some sort of time to think and some, some space to sort of think and to gain some clarity and um, perhaps get some bigger perspective on whatever the issue is at the time. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think um, that is probably a big role that running does play in my life, whether it's, you know, big stuff or small stuff from just, you know, big tired day at work and just needing to clear your head to, you know, more, more you know, bigger, bigger life sort of things as well that we all go through. Um, we've spoken on the podcast before about the times where, I don't know, even as simple as work's overloaded or you've had an argument with your partner or whatever and you think, or you, all kinds of stuff, um, I, I can't go for a run, I don't have time for that at the moment, blah, blah, blah. And But the reality is, as you just pointed out, and you're very educated to confirm this, actually is the time when you probably should go for a run or those times where life is really stressful that it you are able to process what's going on in your life that's perhaps not so pleasant or or pleasant works both ways um but it's often yeah. the time when we drop it because we like we don't have time for that because it feels selfish or it feels you know um like I've had you know um my parents be really ill for example and you're just you're dealing with all that emotion yeah. and all of that kind of stuff and then but you think I've, I've got to go and help them and do things and you think I don't have time it's just an example yeah but um yes actually if you don't go you won't you know there, there will be other repercussions it's actually going to help you be more supportive person or whatever the, the thing is that's going on it's just it's just interesting that a lot of us will drop it because it feels like a selfish thing or a, we don't have time for it but actually if we need to have time yeah i think there can be that that guilt associated Mm. with that too because you know in some ways running particularly long distance running it is Mm. a very selfish you know um sport where you give up many hours of your weekend and Mm. and then you get back and you're tired and exhausted and you know you know your partner or you know 
whoever wants your family, you know, your kids are excited to see you or whatever and, you know, it's um you don't have the energy or, or that. So, sort yeah. of, so there, there can be some guilt associated with that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people, you know, struggle with that. But I think, you know, it's about balance but also about, you know, um, recognising that, you know, am I a better version of myself when I run? And if the answer is yes, which, you know, I haven't heard too many people <laughs> say the opposite to that, that question um then maybe it's about going well okay maybe i'll just get out for five minutes and and, and go for a jog and and yeah. then come back because yeah. you'll definitely probably be in a different mood than when than when you left yeah absolutely i i did a, a write-up the other day about my 365 days of running straight and one of the things that i put in there was that um it, it's time for me like am i going to stop not at the moment but it's time for me to be with my thoughts, but also get rid of, like, be without them at the same time. So you can, mm-hmm. as you said before, process what's going on in your mind, but you can also stop your mind a bit, concentrate on your breath, concentrate on being where you are or the trail or wherever you're running. Um, so it has both, you know, you can do both in those when you're out for a run, um, which can help you deal with a lot of those things that are going on in your in your life too, which I think is quite fascinating. Anyway. Yeah. Um, when you're uh, when you're training for these big long distance events that you do, how do you fit it in? Like you have a professional career, and you know you've got to fit in cycling as well, um, and obviously other things you do in your life. So how do how do you fit it all in? Um, it's like I'm I'm a little bit blessed in the sense that I've probably you know prioritised it in a big part mm-hmm. of my life. So you know. Um, I don't have children, which is obviously a big, big time thing for a lot of people. And I'm often, you know, inspired and amazed at, you know, people that have, you know, bigger, fuller family lives than I do and, and how they manage it all. And I think it comes down to priorities and a little bit what we were just sort of talking about is recognizing, hey, I'm a better version, whether mm. it's a better partner, a better parent, you know, a better, better family member or just a better person in general with some exercise and and I think making sure we sort of prioritize that because you know life is busy and it's often out of balance at certain times yeah. and I think it's okay for life to be out of balance at times as long as you're aware of where that scale is a little bit you know when you're going through uni for example you know life is out of balance it's more about study and you're not earning a lot of money but then it becomes about career and maybe family. So maybe family is a little bit bigger and maybe mm-hmm. early on in your kids' lives, like your exercise is a little bit smaller and maybe it's about getting out for a you know, 20-minute run three times a week and maybe mm-hmm. that's that's what you can manage. But, you know, so it's about – but then, you know, several years down the track, that might shift a little bit and you might have more free time to, to do that. But I think it's about working with that balance – being able to prioritise what is most important in your life, mm-hmm. um, but also connecting with the value of how exercise in general can support those other areas of your life as well. Um, yeah. And I guess going back to what we said earlier too, that it's also a season thing, isn't it? Like your kids are only little for a while. You know, I've had a bunch of kids, but I don't have to be worried about them anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, at home, <laughs> you know, they don't take up all the time anymore. So, you know, that. So I have more time to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those, you know, maybe when your kids are little, maybe it's about, you know, being that role model too and, mm. and taking your kids out for a little walk or a hike or, or just getting some time on the trail somewhere. It might not be yeah. the perfect run or training session yeah. that you wanted to get, but you, you can still find creative ways to sort of tap into that that has, you know, then yeah. positive influences on other people in your life as well. Yeah. So I think it's sort of, you know, you can – incorporate that into your life as well yeah I love that there's so much example of you know on the podcast that I've talked to parents um, male and female um, who have you know just been an amazing example for their children and a number of them who's you know going back it was their parents who were an amazing examples to them they could reflect on that and see how that has also affected their lives and what they're now doing with their children and so it's very yeah. cool that just when it keeps yeah. giving like that mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know you can't understate the the power of being that being that positive role model, particularly for your children and that sort of stuff. If you want them to be 
be active and, and, mm-hmm. and live a healthy lifestyle, then you probably need to lead by example on that. And so, you know, part of it is about maybe, you know, um, being cognis- cognizant of that and, and, and mm-hmm. working that into it. And I guess that's a good way to kind of manage some of that guilt that some parents might have around, you know, mm-hmm. not being able to, you know, I'm wasting too much time out running. I should be home with the family and, yeah. You know, um, I think the, there's a an, an huge amount of value in, in kids seeing a parent that's passionate about something mm-hmm. and, and following that and chasing goals, whether it's, you know, sport or academic or creative mm-hmm. outlets. Like I think there's, you know, so many more powerful lessons that we can sort of teach our, our children or people around us through our actions in that sort of sense. So. Yeah, I love that. Um, is it, When I already talked about how you fit it in, but do you have any kind of hints or or tips that, you know, on those rainy days or the days where, you know, you're just not feeling like it, but you need to go because you've got this big event coming up. How do you get yourself out the door on just those on a micro level rather than the big macro stuff? Yeah. So one thing I always do, I always have my running gear with me in some, yeah. you know, um, whether Shake it's just tucked on. in my bags. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to get to. I've got a client that cancels and, you know, maybe I was a bit slack in the morning and didn't get up and run in the morning, but I'm going to take my running gear to work just in case there's a couple of no-shows where I can maybe get in a little bit of a run Excellent. and fit it in. So I think always having your running gear with you is a very good mm-hmm. um, good tip. Um, I think connecting with your, your bigger motivations of it, um, you know, if I've got a big race coming up, I love to sort of draw up a, a handwritten calendar and kind of, mark the days off so I can kind of see the visual representation of it and when yeah. I wake up you know that's one of the first things I sort of see so if I'm feeling a bit tired and that sort of thing it's about you know it's 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 sort of in your face there and you're like okay we've got to get over that initial hurdle mm-hmm. and then I think it's um what can be really helpful is not just think in the moment don't think too far ahead about oh, I've got to do that tempo session and it's going to be hard like First, okay, I'm just going to get my runners on first or yeah. I'm going to have my coffee first or I'm going to have my breakfast first yeah. and then I'm going to put my running gear on. You're breaking it down and sort of just, you know, going through step by step because when you wake up and you're feeling tired, it can feel a bit overwhelming to go, yeah. oh, I've got this 20K run to do or whatever and you're not feeling like it and it's cold and wet outside. Um, but I think if you, you know, just sort of, you know, zoom in and go, okay, what do I need to do first? I need to get up and go to the bathroom and have a coffee and then just step-by-step step work through that. And, you know, by the time you've done some of that sort of stuff, you, your mood has probably mm. changed a little bit from that sort of sleepy state when you first work up, wake up and you, I don't know, maybe so- sore and stiff and, and the last thing you feel like doing is running. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And then get out and just start slow, you know, yeah. um, start slow. Slow yeah. is good. Um, do you have a coach? Um, not at the moment. I have had um, numerous coaches in the past. Um, yeah, and um, found them all very helpful um, and learned a lot from each of them yeah. in their own sort of ways. Yeah, but um, at the moment I don't. And that was I did have a coach leading into Western States, um, which was great. And then just with some niggles and, and whatnot, yeah. I sort of put that on pause and, and have just been – um enjoying playing around with it myself at the moment wow um do you run with other people not a lot to be honest mm-hmm. um i am probably um a lot more of a solo runner um yeah. i do do run you know my partner runs so i run with her a little bit mm-hmm. and then you know, obviously have a, a group of friends that i run with um semi-regularly as well but i probably do 98 percent of my running by myself um and i quite quite like that <laughs> do, do you listen to anything apart from your thoughts yeah um <laughs> yeah some, sometimes depends on the day I, I try not to run with music or podcasts all the time um but i will often um listen to some music or uh, you know podcasts um when i'm running mm-hmm. um depending on the on the run if it's a harder run generally i'll listen to some music and whatnot if it's a bit of a lot easier recovery run Generally, I'll go for some a podcast or some professional development of some sort. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I do a lot. I used to call it my mobile university. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I'm always listening to like professional development type stuff. Quite yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's helpful for that. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, 
I think I've got a tiny bit of ADHD as well. And so <laughs> being able to do two things at one time is really helpful. <laughs> it's like I can run and I can listen and learn. So I'm Definitely. happy. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Um, Now, you have, um, you've given us a lot of really interesting things to think about. I love all the stuff that you're doing with, you know, with your work and then, and bringing that into, into the the sports side of it and the the running side as well. Um, It's just amazing. What are you most excited about at the moment when it comes to the intersection between what you do for work and your, and the running? Like, I don't, that's a kind of strange question, but yeah, um, you, you study a lot, obviously, and as you said, you do the personal development, and so you, you're on the edge of all this stuff. Just yeah, yeah. What, what fascinates you about what do you? Um, maybe two things. I, I I'm in an interesting period in my career where I am sort of starting to go a lot more into the endurance sort mm-hmm. of sports psychology area. So mm. really kind of excited for that. Um, but I think maybe more to maybe what your question was more getting at was um, probably the role that compassion plays in in sport and mm-hmm. particularly endurance sport. Um, you know, I think we can often, um, and it's very motivating to sort of see that David Goggins type sort of mentality of just getting out there and crushing it and, you know, having a big amp up and, and yeah. taking souls and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And it's, you know, um, it's very... Um, very acute short-term kind of you know amped up sort of initial motivation motivation, (laughs) initial motivation and and kind of you know toughen up type sort of stuff but i think um which you know that sort of stuff has its place in 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 small doses i think but um yeah i'm really excited for the evolution of maybe a little bit bigger bigger and better understanding of how compassion plays in in dealing with difficult times um and you know when you look at endurance sport you're out there and you're suffering a long time mm. and, 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 you know, compassion is really about being able to sit with that suffering and then do something to alleviate that suffering. So that's um, self-compassion. I think, yeah. Mm. Yep. And I think, um, I think the more athletes, you know, can tap into that and use that as a, as a resource, um, I think that's going to serve them, you know, a hell of a lot better in the short term in terms of if they're going mm. through a difficult thing in a, in a run but also long term in terms of over their you know their life of you know running um or just in life well. trickles into their life as well outside 100%. of running yeah 100% <laughs> funny, funny how that happens <laughs> running isn't just um yeah <laughs> what happens when you're running which is an interesting no exactly yeah. yeah and i think that's what i love about running and you know um my work is that you know it's you can't separate running in life mm. and, and the lesson, the lessons that you learn from, from life can be applied to your running and the rest of the lessons you learn from your running can be applied to your life. And, you know, there's a beautiful kind of relationship there. It's a great um, synergy. Yeah. A, a lot of the books and things that I read and listen to, of course, um, talk a lot about how running is, you know, basically the answer to everything, <laughs> which <laughs> of course I believe <laughs> because, we, you know, it's one thing that we in our modern life that harks back to, before we got a house that we could live in that, with running water <laughs> and yes. things like that and supermarkets to go to running was um was something that we had to do if we were surviving yep. and so all of our ancestors it's all in all of our genetics which probably brings me into um a question about the the growth of i don't know if it's just because I'm doing this podcast or what it is but I, the growth of ultra distance running it feels like mm. it's it's really grown a lot in the last you know four or five years would you agree definitely i think yeah there's definitely been a boom you know um and, and i think that probably started i probably started ultra running at, at, at the start of that boom a little bit and i think it, it's it's growing exponentially at the moment and oh uh, yeah and there's lots of reasons for that i think um but i think one that you sort of touched on is that you know we're probably looking for outlets to put ourselves in those uncomfortable, challenging situations that mm-hmm. our the comfort of our modern lives, you know, yeah. um, are very safe and, and very secure and yeah. very certain. We kind of, you know, know what the outcome is going to generally be if we follow this, whereas, you know, you go sign up to a 100-kilometre race or something, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You're not sure how you're going to manage yeah. the t- hard times. And I think 
you know, a lot of us are, you know, as a, you know, craving and seeking that sort of that challenge. Yeah, that's fascinating. Also, um, it's interesting because what we do know is if we sit on the couch and don't regularly do exercise, whether it's running or not, but of course I would prefer that it was running because uh, <laughs> I'm a bit biased. Um, <laughs> if if you don't, then we actually can also predict where, you know, that you are not going to have a very healthy rest of your life. Like you're just, yep. it's not going to be pleasant. There's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be illness and and a lot of hospital visits involved. Whereas if you have a regular exercise regime, um, that's a little bit like running regularly, um, for example, and other things, then you can avoid some of that. It, but of course, we, as you know, we're, we're built with, nothing's changed in our brain in the last however many thousands and thousands of years. So our brain is still thinking that we need to conserve our energy because any minute now we'll we have to run away for a saber-toothed tiger or catch something to eat. Yes. <laughs> so, so we we'll need to conserve our energy. Famine. Exactly. Yes. So yep. it's that always fighting that urge to, to um, you know, to get up and, and go and, and not conserve the energy. Um, mm. I think most of us know about that intellectually, but then still get sucked into another episode of something on Netflix. <laughs> yes, yes. The reality of, you know, some you know, what we know and, and our behaviours is often very different. <laughs> yeah, I just I find it fascinating. But it's there's also that thing as you were saying then about that adventurous spirit, that thing that we're realizing we are missing out. We can't actually articulate it very well, but we feel mm. like there is something missing when we don't explore new things or you know, it's it's yeah, it's kind of hard to. I'm not very good at articulating it. Probably other people are better than me. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I agree. Um, you know, and I think if, you know, people sort of, I think most people, if they sort of sit in one of those spaces too long, whether they, you know, put on weight or they kind of get too much in that comfort zone, they, they do that again, that pain becomes too much where they like have a bit of a hard look at their life and go, okay, something needs to change. And, and yeah. Yeah. They yeah. go see someone like you can help me. I used to be a runner. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I really want to run again, but I can't get my head around it. <laughs> can you yeah. Tell me. <laughs> Those kind Definitely. of things. All right. Um, we could talk for ages about some of this stuff because it's, you know, right up my alley. The, you know, <laughs> my thing is all about mindfulness and, and running and how we can be in the moment when we're running as well. And that's one way you can also deal with some of the uncomfortableness with running. But 100%. That also filters down into our lives and, and makes us more present and more able to deal with, with all of the good and the bad that happens in everybody's life. So yes, um, it's all, there's a lot of synergy there, but I've kept you waiting. I've kept you on the podcast for long enough. What I would like to ask, is there anything about running in general that we haven't touched on in the podcast that you would like to share? I'll ask you for tips in a minute, but just oh. running in general. That we might not have. Good question. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind immediately. I think um, maybe just encouraging people to get out and challenge themselves, like, Mm -hmm. you know, stretch themselves a little bit. You know, if it's a stepping up to a 10K from a 5K or, you know, doing that marathon that's always been nagging, I'll do a marathon one day. Maybe it's, yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think, you know, there's a lot of of value in in pushing your comfort zone a little bit in in that way. There is. You can learn a lot about yourself. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, can you, before we go, and before I ask you about the tips, how do you think your life would be had you not decided running was a sport that you were going to maintain? You yeah, to be a runner. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's a that is a big question. Um. It'd be fascinating if I could actually look into a crystal ball and see what that would look like, but I, I don't think I'd like what I'd see. You know, I'd probably be an alcoholic on the street somewhere. You know, wow. um, it probably probably would be that sort of that extreme. Um, so, you know, I think running really did kind of, you know, save my life and, and get me through some of those difficult times yeah. in my life and was that anchor that was there to kind of pull me out when, you know, I had periods of depression or, or, you know, had, um, you know, alcohol had sort of got on top of me a little bit. So, 
um, yeah, I think my life would be very, very different now. Um, and I um, am forever grateful for, for running being a big part of my life. Yeah. Like that's, it really is such a powerful thing. Like for you, you said that I've had lots of people on the podcast say similar things with mm. different life journeys, but you just think, why isn't it being um, prescribed to, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. for everybody, <laughs> like, it is really a very powerful thing and it's accessible. Like what's what I love about it so much and I probably should get off my soapbox, but yeah, it is just accessible to everybody, yeah. almost yeah. everybody. And it's just a yeah. pair of shoes and you can head out the door. You don't need anything apart from that. It's pretty. Yeah, exactly. It can solve yeah. so many things um, that might be going on in your life that are not, you know, not welcome. So. Yeah. No, anyway. for sure. Yeah. I think that kind of, you know, like, you know, in terms of the tips that you were asking, like, mm. you know, that's what I definitely want. I would sort of give is don't complicate it. Like keep it simple. Mm. You don't need the mm-hmm. latest greatest running vest or the running watch you don't even need a watch you know just get out and yeah. and go for a run and if, if a run for you is you know 30 seconds then then great you know start there and, and sort of build up and um yeah i think keeping it simple is, is really powerful so that would be your main tip for a beginner runner yeah keep it yeah. simple mm-hmm. don't get caught up in all the latest fads and gear and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. like if that comes and you enjoy that sort of stuff, great. But, you know, don't let that be a barrier for you just sort of getting out the door and, you know, going for, going for a little bit of a run. Mm. Yeah. And if you, you know, and I think if you if you go for a 30-second run, then you can call yourself a runner. You know, that, that thing that people always say, oh, well, I'm that. not a runner. But, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. I think it was somebody on the podcast, it's a question I often ask is, do you call yourself a runner? When did you do that? Yeah. Um, I had someone who's been running, like, I definitely call them a runner, maybe 15 years. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. call myself a runner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's up to you. <laughs> I can't give yeah. you an identity. So, yeah. Anyway, it was quite funny yeah. <laughs> how people do that. Anyway, Luke, it's been amazing. I could talk to you for ages. Don't go straight away because I will talk to you a little bit more <laughs> off the recording. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for spending some time and, and being really inspiring. I'm, I'm sure you've motivated heaps of people out there to either start running or keep running. But thank you. No, beautiful. It's great to connect. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.